Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Nicole's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Nicole, hello! How are you doing, Nicole? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. The first episode after Tribes Merge is always interesting. Who's going to stick together? Who switched that sort of stuff? Um, I thought it was a pretty entertaining episode. Me too, yeah. Well, we have a very special uh, podcast for you. We have a Survivor Roundtable with Brenda Porter, who is a blogger who we had on last season, but also the one and only Coach Wade from Survivor Token Chains, Heroes vs. Villains, and South Pacific will be here to talk with us all about Survivor One World, and hopefully we'll get to ask him some uh, questions about his time on the show as well. I'm pretty excited for this. Me too. Should we get them on the line? Oh, yeah. Here we go. All right. Well, we now have Brenda and Coach on the podcast with us. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Doing well. How are you, Coach? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Looking forward to this evening, for sure. So we're going to have a nice little Survivor Roundtable here. I have uh, eight questions to ask about Survivor One World. We'll uh, go person by person, asking your thoughts and opinions. Um, And then after everyone sort of shares their thoughts, feel free to uh, bounce off one another and if you have any uh, comments of other people's uh, thoughts. But uh, let's start with the first question. Obviously, this most recent episode, uh, we had the Merge Tribe coming together, and unfortunately, Jonas was the first casualty of the Merge. What do you think he could have done differently to stay in the game and to not be to be voted out? Let's start with you, Coach. Uh, this season is really frustrating me. It seems like every episode that comes, that, that comes along, I get really frustrated because they're such amateurs. I mean, I'm sitting there watching... And when they first cut to Jay, he's talking about being with, you know, people that are annoying to you. You know, it's such an amateur view of the game. And before they even showed the promo for next week, I was sitting there saying, you know, Mike, you and Jay have just thrown away your game. Because when you get to emerge, as much as when you swap, you'd like to say, I'm going to go with this tribe. It's your first alliances. If you hold fast to them. Survivor 101, as I preached last year a million times, get an alliance early, stick with it, and you're going to be fine. And the fact that they're betraying their first alliance of male versus female spells disaster for them. So what could Jonas have done differently? I think Jonas could have been on a different season. I mean, (laughs) he was a likable guy. He seemed like he was uh, not a threat in challenges. Um, You know, he had picked an alliance with, quote, the misfits. Um, and, and what was, I think what was kind of preposterous to me was that nobody went to Alicia or the other girl and said, Christina and said, Hey, you guys know you're on the outs, come with us. And then that four could have become six and they would have only needed one more. So I guess besides being on a different season, Jonas could have gone and targeted those two girls and he didn't. Brenda, what are your thoughts? I agree completely with Coach. I cannot understand this um, this season and their strategical map at all. I'm not getting it. Um, it just seems like they're voting based on, like Coach said, an amateur way of thinking of things, how this person makes me feel. Or, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like myself, I noticed that Troy Van has two immunities. Um, why didn't anyone notice you know, how 
how he is. I mean, he's a threat. He's a big threat, and yet they consider Jonas a threat. I'm not getting that. Why is Jonas less of a threat than Troy Sand? Nicole, your thoughts? I just think that, you know, they are all new players. They've never been on the show before. And maybe not all of them were as nerdy as we are making podcasts about Survivor and, you know, watching the show so um, intensely and everything like that. But maybe they just don't really think always about what's the best way to play the game. But, you know, they think about, you know, who... Um, is annoying them or who they just kind of feel like right now oh, I kind of feel like getting this person out you know I, they they just don't really know because they haven't had the kind of experience that like you have had coach um, so I, I don't really know what Jonas could have done differently um, he tried and I, I agree maybe if he was on a different season he would have gotten farther yeah, I think this move benefited mainly Kim, Chelsea, and Sabrina, and not a whole lot of other people. I think if I was any of the guys, I would realize these girls, if we're just going to say, oh yeah, old Solani tribe, they're going to eventually get us off because they think we're threat, and then it's going to be girl power to the end. So I, I think especially Jay and Michael needed to realize we need, we actually do need to listen to what Tarzan was saying and come together as all guys. Otherwise they're going to get picked off one by one. Yep. I agree. And, um, I noticed that the promo, they're still trying to separate both, you know, make it look like it's still men versus women. So maybe that's a clue that's going to come down to that. Because as it stands right now, we saw Kim actually throw out there that she's keeping the girls around just in case there's a female alliance somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. It's in her head. It's in <laughs> her head. And if I were Troy Zinn, I'd be careful of her. Because if she knows he has that immunity idol, he's gone. This brings me to the next question. Um, right now, there seems to be two big power players, and that would be Kim and Troyzan, who both have hidden immunity idols, and they both seem to be somewhat well aware of what's going on. Who do you think ultimately is going to, to go the distance and come out of, on top? Do you think Kim is going to keep ruling, or do you think Troyzan will be able to come and uh, stir the pot? Let's start with you, Brenda. Personally, I think it's Kim. I think, just like what I just said, she's thinking ahead. She's thinking way ahead. She's like, I've got this setup that I can go this way or not and I've got this setup I can go this way. So she's already thinking of alternatives. And the way it stands right now, the girls are in her pocket. Yeah. All she has to do is just get that girl on it started and boom, she can ride it all the way to the end. Coach, your thoughts. Oh, uh, Toys and starting to remind me of Ozzy's father and the arrogance that he displayed when he won individual immunity, the arrogance that he's display when he banged his fist down after he won the team immunity challenge when he said this is my island now uh it just doesn't sit well with me and so you know everybody knows what i think about ozzy um, <laughs> and so i don't like i don't like i don't like troy then i liked him in the beginning but uh the more i'm around him kind of uh he's kind of a little bit like a creeper a little bit arrogant um so my bet's on kim i agree with brenda nicole um, I'm going to have to agree with both of you as well. Um, I feel that Kim has something that 
Troyzan doesn't. And, you know, she is very strategic. And I just really like how she was focusing on this girl alliance earlier. And then she's like getting in these guys and she's keeping her options open and thinking about all these different things. She really seems to have a lot of strategy and know what she's doing. Yeah, yeah well, and one other thing I want to say that's a good point. Uh, Kim has something that nobody else has, it seems, and that's subtlety. You know, you have to realize that when you're in a tribal council, when you're on a day-to-day basis, you don't want people to think that, you know, it's you pulling the strings, and it seems like all of these people want to say, look, I'm running the show, and that's the worst thing for them. I mean, one of the things that JT did incredibly well in Survivor 18 is that he made the way around, and he did it very subtly. Yeah, I'm thinking that, yeah, Kim definitely has this ability to sort of read everything and not let emotions get in the game. Um, And I think the only other person who was really good at sort of looking at things without getting their emotions in it was Jonas. And now Kim just took out that only other person who I could think really, really had a good grasp of the game. So I think this was a really smart move for Kim. uh, And I can see her going really far because of it. So, what is up with this relationship between Tarzan and Jonas? Uh, they sort of have this uh, love-hate, odd-couple relationship. It was very entertaining to watch. I don't know if I I fully get it. What What were your thoughts on that, Coach? Uh, you know, there's so much that doesn't make the final cut. And so, you know, there's so many things that could have been layered in there. And there's probably a ton of explanation on the cutting room floor that we'll never get to see. Um, I just think that, you know, for Tarzan, he's very, he would have been really good to play with, with, uh, Brandon because he was, you know, Brandon's very black and white and Tarzan is very black and white. He sees the world through his own eyes and he refuses to see it through anybody else's. And so if he feels as if Jonas has betrayed him in any way, was betraying the alliance, was going and running your mouth. I mean, one of the things I will say for Tarzan, one of the most annoying things on Survivor is when you have an alliance and you tell that alliance to be quiet, and a member of that alliance, we saw that with Leaf early on, a member of the alliance goes and talks to the other alliance. It, it's so unsettling to be out there. You don't feel like you have anybody that you can truly trust in. Paranoia sets in. And when a member of your alliance goes to the other side and starts telling them your plans, there's nothing worse than that. And so, in a way, I can understand Tarzan getting ticked off with Jonas. It's amazing to me how many loose ships are running around out there. It seems <laughs> like it's more than a normal season. Brenda, your thoughts? Personally, I, I those two were definitely fun to watch. They really were. I mean, Tarzan, he, he's entertaining to watch. He definitely is. Um... He doesn't really seem to have a grasp at all of what he's doing when it comes to Survivor. And honestly, I think they're keeping him around simply because, you know, he could possibly be someone that they can use at some point, you know, for their bigger plans. Um, That's just my guess. Um, The interchange towards the end when Jonas was leaving, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Jonas turned to him and said, no hard feelings, and then Tarzan looked at him and said, no hard feelings. So I thought that was really cool, and then... 
No, no, no. hold on, correct you, but no, I think Tarzan, that's a good point that you bring up, Tarzan actually said, didn't he say hard feelings? Yes, he did, he said, no, hard feelings, yeah, he, yeah. Tarzan did not yeah, get over hard. it. That <laughs> uh, was crazy when he said that, so actually he said hard feelings, bro. He said hard feelings, bro? Yeah, he was. He, he said the opposite of, of Jonas. Oh, I, I thought he said no hard feelings, okay. I stand corrected. So, yeah, it looks like those two might have to cut some things up postseason. <laughs> yeah, Nicole, what were your thoughts? You know, Tarzan's just this crazy character, and I agree that they're probably keeping him around because he is annoying to people, and there are a lot of benefits to keeping around someone who's annoying because, um, they're not going to feel like a threat to you if you bring someone who's annoying along with you to the end. Um, you know, who's going to want to vote for that person? So, um, it's very interesting. I I just, I don't like people who get so angry all the time, though, and Tarzan's always getting so angry. <laughs> well... Tarzan is the epitome of a, a loose cannon. He gets so mad, and he says, I'm done with with everyone. I'm cutting myself out of the alliance. And then all Jonas has to go up to him and say, I'm sorry, Tarzan. He's like, it brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> this is a beautiful moment. <laughs> so <laughs> he's definitely, like, so extreme highs and extreme lows. <laughs> it's uh, very entertaining to watch um, but yeah definitely someone who probably is not grasping the game socially or strategically and um, at Travel Council Jeff pointed out that he basically has no idea of the social game and um, he said basically you're saying you have no uh, social social charm to, to you or something but Jeff Carson pointed out that he has absolutely no no social game at all, to which I think Tarzan said, I'm a doctor, I work all the time, I'm awkward socially. All right, so if you had to choose right now, do you think that Solani will stick together to the end, or do you think it will end up going back to men versus women, and the women will stick together and try to pick off the men and vice versa? Or do you think that that's, that newly formed Solani tribe is actually going to, to stay intact? Brenda? Hmm. Um, I noted on the preview that Kim said she has no idea what she's going to do next. So to me, that's a clue. That's sounding like there's possibly changes that's coming. I think possibly it's going to end up being men versus women. And I think the way that they're setting up with the preview at the beginning of the show is possibly an indicator as well that it's going to come down to the women getting back together and going up against the men. If Kim is saying, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm having to rethink my strategy. Most likely that's what she's going to do. Coach? Uh, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I thought it during the episode. And, you know, it does worry me because they just completely, like, laid it open for the next episode for that to be men versus women and the women are going to be picking them off. When I, when I watched Jay speak early in the episode, I said it's going to be an all-girls final three. And the guys are idiots. I'd love to see. I would actually love to see an all-girls final three. Uh, do I think that that's going to happen? Uh, kind of yes, but then again, I'm worried just because the editors teased it up so good for next week that that's what it's going to be. Usually, they don't spoon feed us like that. Nicole, 
I think the girls have closer bond than the guys did back when it was the men versus the women. So I think that eventually they probably would get back together and, you know, do that whole girl power thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen right away, though. I think Solani has something good going on. And, um, you know, some people might form closer bonds with others. And it it's hard for me to tell. It's kind of up in the air. Like, I don't really know. Yeah, I think that it's definitely something's going to happen. Some sort of scramble's going to happen. I don't. I don't know if it will fully go strictly men and strictly women, but I think the women are definitely going to start seeing Troyzan and Jay as, hey, these guys are bigger threats than Jonas and Leaf ever will be. Um, and I think Tarzan and Jay will have to, if they want to stay in the game, uh, figure out, hey, the girls, there's a lot of them. We need to find some way to break them up. Um, I hope that they can... They can somehow do this. I would love to see, like, Christina maybe try to get with the guys to better her position. But I think it's definitely something that's going to not be as straightforward as we've seen in in the most recent seasons. The next question, um, do you think Kat understands anything that Tarzan says? (laughs) Tarzan is known for saying very big words. Kat is known for not understanding any big words. <laughs> How do you think their conversations at camp go? We'll start with you, Coach. <laughs> I think Tarzan, I think they pretty much ostracize in the camp, but a conversation would probably be Tarzan saying the staticity of two objects is quintessential to the exigency of the situation in CAD just one like this. Brenda. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can see poor cat rolling her eyes and saying, What was that? (laughs) 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 Spell that out again, go in the dictionary. (laughs) I I don't think she understands that. (laughs) I I don't think she does. Nicole. (laughs) She doesn't understand Tarzan. She doesn't understand a lot of things about Survivor. And appendixes and things like that. <laughs> I was just about to say, well, didn't understand what a was. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if she is now very cautious when she is out there and is very afraid to do anything because she doesn't want to hurt her appendix. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our biggest dilemma of the night. Here it is Was it dirt? Uh, Of course, I'm referring to uh, Tarzan had um, a little incident on his uh, Speedo there. He was claiming it was dirt. Other people weren't so sure. Uh, Brenda, what are your uh, thoughts on this matter? Well, you've got one girl walking off saying she's about to throw up, so (laughs) she probably smelled something, so maybe it wasn't. You never know. Coach? Uh, Tarzan wouldn't have been going on about microbes not being uh, contagious or whatever if it had been dirt. <laughs> I do with coach. Nicole? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go with dirt because I don't want to think about any other options. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Definitely 
whether it's dirt or not, it's definitely not something you you want to put in with your clothes. <laughs> so I could understand her reasoning, but uh, Tarzan was very adamant about it. <laughs> Another question. Do you think the One World uh, twist had impact on the game? Or if so, what? Do you think, you know, we saw this twist... Everyone living on the same beach, but for the most part, the two tribes are still very separate. They, and then they switched it up. Do you think the game, like that One World Twist, did impact the game, or do you think if they were on separate tribes and they still did the switch, it would have uh, it wouldn't have made a difference? What are your thoughts, Coach? Uh, I thought the season has been really good as far as the producers making swips, swips uh, making uh, switches, flips. You know, merging, I think, maybe a little bit early. I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell. I will say this, that I think that we haven't seen girl power in a long time since, you know, I think the last time we saw girl power was when Poverty did it on fans versus favorite. Yeah. Uh, with Poverty and Amy and all those, right? And so, like, I'm I'm, I'm really not part of Poverty and um, who are the other girls in that? Um, Suri, Amanda, Natalie. Yeah, okay, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Natalie, that's what I was trying to think. So, you know, I mean, we haven't seen it since then. So I think in a way it has worked. It just hasn't worked to the guy's favor. And I'm, and I'm glad to see that. You know, obviously on my season, that was one thing that I was adamant against. But had I been a girl, I would have been adamant <laughs> against having guy power because it works to your disadvantage. So I think in a way, um, it really caused the girls to rely on themselves. See, a lot of times you go out there. There's tasks that the girls are very, very good at, and there's tasks that the guys are very good at, and there's tasks that the guys are good at that some of the girls are good at. But as a whole, the girls look to the guys to do X, Y, Z, you know, lift the heavy stuff out there. They look at them to have speed to win some of the challenges. They look at them sometimes to know how to tend the fire, maybe not make it because I've seen some girls make really good fires but more like to tend the fires. The girls are better at, you know, cooking and washing. And again, these are all stereotypes. I coach men and women. I have the ultimate respect for women. I'm not saying anything sexist here, but it's just they typically fall into those roles. Mm -hmm. look, at, look at the past survivors. This time, though, the girls had to rely completely on themselves, and they didn't rely on any of the guys. Did they build a good shelter? No, <laughs> but they still learned in the process. And I think that through that, they became completely self-contained and independent. And because of that, they didn't rely on any guys. Furthermore, they didn't have to make an alliance with any of the guys like they would have had to had it not been one world. They focused on themselves. You know, of course, they got catty, but the guys got even more catty. And that was the funny part about <laughs> yeah. it. And so, and, but, but through it all, the girls are sticking together. And that's something that I'm really um, enjoying for this season. Brenda, your thoughts? I'm going to echo what Coach says because it just seems like since it became so contained, the girls have a much stronger bond. And so if it's going to come down to it, they're going to stick together. The guys, on the other hand, seem, some of them seem like they still want to play with the, let's say, the new Solani as opposed to the, I mean, old Manano or so. But they're going to come in for a rude awakening when they realize the girls ultimately will stick together. And I just seem to foresee a possibility that it's going to be an all-girls at the end. 
Mm-hmm. I think if it comes down to it, those girls are going to stick together, and the guys are going to go. Nicole? You know, I think this whole one-world twist didn't turn out exactly the way I thought it would, but um, it definitely had an impact on the game, and um, I... It, it's interesting to see, you know, and I, I kind of thought when the season first started that maybe the tribes would um, intermingle with each other more when they were on the same beach, but they really didn't that much. And you can still see they that those girls still have that. For me, I see, I, I think it did have some impact. Um, I think the men versus women twist has a huge impact as it does every season they do it. But I think the one world... In in one sense, it was merge time. They didn't have to get to know everyone really the same way because they've had that interaction on the same beach. Um, and I think it then more turned into to strategy mode instead of get-to-know-you mode. So in that one simple sense. But I, I do also think that having them there but still having them divided actually, I don't know, I think it made them more divisive almost than if you had two separate tribes. And then you have the mystery of, ooh, I wonder who's over there. Maybe there's some cool people. Maybe there's people who will take me farther in the game. Whereas this way, and with the One World, you sort of you sort of knew who was over on the other tribe, and it sort of made that, well, I want to stick with my people sort of thing even more prevalent. All right, one more question um, about Survivor One World. Uh, the person who is obviously the most prevalent for the first half of the game um, was Colton. And I just wanted to quick get what your guys' thoughts of Colton was he was uh, very uh, divisive and and pretty much loathed by a lot of people in this Survivor community. So I was just uh, wondering what your guys' thoughts of Colton was, Brenda. I think um, that Colton is a junior ver- version of uh, Russell Hams. I said that so loudly, and everybody could not handle it when I said that. But I see. So much similarities between Colton and uh, Russell Hans. The only thing different, I think, is that Russell is a heck of a lot more smarter than Colton. I personally will miss Colton this season. I know this sounds crazy, but I think he's entertaining. The only problem is that he did say some stuff that was really wrong, but everybody loves the villain, and he's by far one of the bigger villains that has come out of Survivor in recent years other than Russell Ham. Yeah. Now, Coach, you've played uh, with Russell. Did you see that comparison, or what were your thoughts on Colton? Uh, you know, Colton was playing the game very hard early on. He was not playing for the end game. You know, he was more playing for, you know, the moment. And had he gotten to the end, nobody, he wouldn't have won the game, you know, much like Russell. So I guess in the same way... They were playing the game very hard. Russell was, like, very driven, definitely smart. He could um, really bulldoze over people, which shocked people the first time, first two times that they, they played until they were on to him, and then they kind of nullified that threat. So I do see the similarity. I miss Colton, too. I mean, who's the villain, right? You got Mike saying that he's going to be a villain in the beginning, and besides stealing some of the stuff from the other tribe, he's done nothing to live up to his self-proclaimed villainous roots. Uh, Jay actually started becoming a little bit of a villain, but of course he's nothing like what Colton was. So, you know, the thing about Colton is, is that they can edit you a certain way, but the stuff that he was doing and the racist, 
had, not, you know, like the deleted clips online. You know, I think he's young, immature. I think he's letting the, the power of the moment and, and, and the intoxication of the, you know, of the producers coaxing stuff out of you. I think he's letting that all kind of get to his head. Um, and he went overboard. Do I think that he's racist? No. Do I think that he comes from a small town that puts people in pigeonholes where there are Asians, there are blacks, and there are stereotypes within those races? Yes. Did that come out when he was on Survivor? Yes. Do we miss him? Absolutely. You have to be cheering for somebody and you have to be uh, rooting against somebody. I think the one drawback of this season is that there's not really anybody to root for. Yeah, we think Kim's going to get to the end. Yeah, Jonas was a likable guy. But there's not really anybody in this season where you're saying, my goodness, I want to make sure that they get to the end, mm -hmm. at least for me. I mean, at this moment, I don't give a rip who wins. I don't care about, you know, I don't really care about any of the contestants, but then at this time, I don't really loathe any of the contestants. And so I'm hoping, you know, that they start bringing out some hero for all of us to cheer for, the underdog for all of us to cheer for. Um, but at the moment, I just don't see it. Yeah. Nicole, your thoughts? I, you know, I, I never really liked Pullman from the very beginning. He was annoying and he was rude and selfish and everything like that. But did he entertain me watching the show? Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought it was kind of funny when he had to leave. But I also thought it was kind of sad, too, that people should be voted out. That's how they should get out of the game. No one should have medical issues. But I just, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. For me, the one thing... Um, everyone was like, oh, weren't you excited? Colton got out. And I was like, no, for this reason. Like, I find it really, I, I don't like it when someone has to leave because of medical reasons. And I find it makes his, his exit that less sweeter. Like, you want to see the villain get taken down in the ultimate blind side and the people come together and finally band together and get him out and he doesn't see it coming and that's sort of what you want to see and it, it gives you so satisfying to see the the villain not win in the end sort of a thing but to just have him get out because you know his stomach was hurting it was it's very anticlimactic for me yeah absolutely i mean everybody watching wanted to see him get voted out with an idol in his pocket so that he could eat the most amount of humble pie and yeah. he didn't get that satisfaction all right, so we're going to move on to some, some other questions. First, I want to talk with uh, Brenda and, and Coach. You aren't complete strangers. You do have um, sort of an interesting relationship, and I wondered if you wanted to, to, to share sort of how that came about. Brenda, do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Um, it started, um, how did I say, I think it was three years ago, right, Coach? About three years mm -hmm. ago? Mm -hmm. Um. We were on Facebook, and um, we started talking via messages, and at that time, Coach was basically getting pulled through the cold. The thing is, I never was um, a person to dislike Coach. I liked Coach from the get-go. There was something I saw in Coach that no one else seemed to be able to see. I saw a light in Coach. I saw the real Coach. I was able to look past what CVS was tossing at me to see the unique person that Coach is. And from the get-go, we were friends, and I offered to uh, basically blog, blog uh, pro coach, and that's what I did. 
all through Token Kings, I was the one person that wrote good things about Coach, that said, well, well, Coach, you know, he's awesome. So it was unique, and that's how we started. We became really good friends, and we stayed friends all the way through. We've never had a problem. We've just been there all the way through. I captured season 18. I captured season 20. I captured season 23. I also blogged during the filming of his film 180. During the whole filming process, I captured it on the blog as well. So um, with all that history, I've become his official blogger. So I maintain his official blog, CoachBenLight.com. He's been a spiritual mentor for me. He's also been a writing mentor for me and a survivor mentor for me. So not only is he a wonderful friend, but he's also a mentor. Coach, did you have anything to, to add or comment about that? Um, you know, it was just uh, early on, you know, in Token Chains, it was such a shock for me because I came back from Token Chains, you know, people asked me, how did you do? And, and a lot of people said, you know, and my core friends said, hey, you know, uh, did you did you lie like everybody else in the game? I'm sure you did. And I said, no, I played very honorably. You're going to be very proud of the way that I played. You know, I didn't lie once. I tried to play honorably. I tried to be, you know, I tried to be a Christian man and bring light to a dark world. And so that was my thought. And I was completely naive <laughs> to what was going to happen. And so... You know, as I was going through this journey, I mean, it, it was one thing to be like Philip, where Philip went out there and just said, hey, I'm crazy, and he kind of embraced that part of it, and so he wasn't bothered by it. But when I tried so hard to be honorable in a dishonorable environment and got nothing but crap for it, it was really hard for me to take. And so, because I didn't look at it like a game, I didn't look at it like, you know, a character now obviously i morphed into the dragon slayer and i don't think you know the dragons are real and i don't <laughs> all that kind of stuff that was just great fun and i actually think if you went back and watched Tobin scenes you and just watched the whole season back to back you'd probably say why are you play this like coach you know he was entertaining he's funny a little bit far-fetched at times so it's, it's i think you would feel that if you went back and watched it now Anyway, so during that time, I mean, it was really tough for me. I, you know, they tell you not to read stuff online, but of course you do. And, you know, I was reading stuff, and, and you know, Brenda reached out to me, and, and she was blogging about it. But actually, before the real pro-heavy blogging, she wrote a poem called The Dragon Slayer, and she sent it to me. And I still have that. It's on ice tape or parchment, and it just really touched me. What touched me most about Brenda is that she has such a great heart, and so many people out there that are blogging about these characters take out the fact that they are real people. That's why I said what I said about Colton. It'd be real easy to say, yeah, Colton's a piece of crap, and, you know, he, he's a racist, son of a this and that, you know. But you also have to realize that these are real people, too, and they're going through real mo emotions. And most of the press, quote-unquote, want to eviscerate those of us who are on TV that are making, you know, public spectacles of themselves because we make ourselves easy targets let's face it and yeah. so anyway Brenda had such a wonderful heart that I just was like wow this is uh, somebody that I want to have in my corner and we developed a great relationship and friendship out of it that's awesome well, we have a couple uh, survivor questions for you coach about your your experiences on the show if you're up for answering them yeah this is, I'm really enjoying this let's go for it 
we were wondering, first of all, why you wanted to be on Survivor or how you were cast, how that all came about. Um, I never wanted to be on Survivor. I never wanted to be on television. I didn't care about being famous. Um, you know, when I was first asked, it was the, it was the eve before they released the cast. And I was in Missouri at the university, and the CBS channel came up, and they were interviewing me. And they said, hey, you know, your life's going to change forever. And I said, well, how, why did you say that? And he said, well, you're going to be famous. And I said, well, I'm already famous. And I was kind of being serious and kind of joking just because, you know, when you're a college soccer coach in a small town, you're in the newspaper every week. I conduct the symphonies, but I'm in the, you know, symphony every week. And so for me, I really didn't care about being famous. I never really wanted to be on reality TV, but the girls on my soccer team all got together and they said, you know, hey, coach, He's like nobody we've ever met. He's one of a kind. And they actually wanted to see me on The Bachelor because I've been a Bachelor for so long. And, you know, they were like, we want to see him on The Bachelor. So they actually submitted it, submitted me to The Bachelor online. I got an email saying, hey, this is not the right fit for you, but maybe something that would be would be Survivor and they have that upcoming cast involved. So I, did, you know, downloaded the application, filled it out, sent it in, just filled it blind. I wasn't a recruit. And... That's the way it happened. The rest is history. So you've played the game three times, and I think a lot of the fans who who watched you in the first two seasons were really surprised coming in to South Pacific. They're like, "Wow, Coach is playing a really good strategic game. He's getting an alliance. He's forming. He's playing so well." Do you think your game just really evolved that third time, or do you think it was a lot of editing, whereas the first two times they were sort of showing you as the sort of non-strategic, just sort of out-there type of person, and, and in South Pacific they finally you know, showed your strategic game, or do you think you did actually you know, evolve that much from, from Heroes vs. Villains to South Pacific? Yes to all. <laughs> I think that it was a little bit of the editing. I mean, the very, you know, if you think about the first time in Token Team, I was the guy that turned Jade Key to come into our alliance, much like, you know, if I had to turn JT, I would have been the one going home. And so I turned JT much like I turned Coffin. Um, but I think my game really did evolve because, you know, that first time I was very one sided. I was very black and white. I was very much like a brand. And, as the game evolved, I look back at the trilogy and just think, you know, what a great, what a great, just what a great series that I was able to have. If you were to script somebody's series from the beginning to the end, tell them in the very beginning, you're going to have three seasons, play them all differently, and come out on top of me. And I feel like that's what I did because the first time I went out there, and I, I wanted to be bigger than life. I wanted to be polarizing, and I wanted to be the coach. And the second time... You know, I just wanted to show people I'm a real guy and I was sensitive. And I feel like I can't, you know, I, I accomplished that. This last time, all I wanted to do was play the game and show the fans that I could hardcore play the game. And I don't think very many returning players, if any, that have come in there, been behind the A-ball, ostracized by the tribe, should have, everybody thinks that I was a bit of a character, to take hold of that tribe, leave the tribe, Lead them to numbers up in the merge and get all the way to the end and almost win the game. I felt like I really um, was at my finest hour. Yeah, it's definitely like if you even look at the season before that with 
Redemption Island, you know, Russell came in there and he was not applauded by anyone on his tribe. Yet he, and sort of like you, you came in and no one was really that excited to see you. But you were able to turn it around and really make a core alliance and really get in there where Russell, his tribe, just wanted to vote him out right away. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and I think that it was the one travesty of me not winning just because I really did overcome the most. I really had an uphill battle the whole way, and I was able to overcome everything with every step and to be one of the best strategic players out there, if not the most strategic player. I mean, I controlled every single vote from start to finish. You know, um, people didn't hate me. People really liked me, but, you know, when I think about it, I've said this. I've said this before. Um, you know, there's no way with that jury that I'm going to win. We've got an adulterer with me. Who's married when she was out there. And she told everybody she was single. We got a dope dealer with Jim. Uh, you got Keith lying about his, you know, about his profession. You've got a narcissistic guy like Ozzy, and you've got a bipolar manic depressive like Brandon. There's no way that Coach trying to play a semblance of an honorable game is going to win with that jury. Mm-hmm. So, um, out of the three seasons that you were on, that you were able to play with a lot of people, which survivor did you enjoy being with the most? Topman, hands down. Any particular reason why? Smart as a whip. Um, wanted to be coached, wanted to have a life-changing experience out there. Came in as a, as a really promising, you know, Columbia undergrad, Harvard Law School, really seeking to want to change his life, saying to himself, maybe there's more to being, you know, a lawyer than just working all the time. And so I saw him as like the ideal and quintessential coach student. And so taking him under my wing was just, you know, something beautiful. I like playing with uh, Tyson, but we were more equals, you know. It was not like I was really limping him, so to speak. So that's mm-hmm. what I enjoyed most about Tyson. Did you uh, ever consider taking him farther in the game? You know, I did. I played this game like, you know what, here's my alliance, and if you guys lie to me, then you're out of the alliance. And, you know, Albert lied to me. Uh, I don't know if Sophie lied to me, but, you know, Brandon lied to me. So I felt like I could get out of those contracts if I wanted to. If it hadn't been for Redemption Island, I probably would have sat at the end with Stockton and Edna. But... I couldn't conceivably do that because if I had done that, then I would have made it to the end anyway because nobody would have beaten Ozzy once he came back. Yeah. I knew Ozzy was going to come back from redemption. My six months told me that Ozzy was going to redemp- win redemption no matter who we sent off there. I actually envisioned that the merge when he was sent uh, to redemption. When he told me that day that he left, I will come back from redemption. I knew it to be true before he was voted off. I knew it to be true. And so I was thinking to myself, when is he going to be vulnerable? And I thought that he would come back. It was funny because, you know, you kind of you have so much time to think and just map it out. And I thought he's going to come back from redemption. There's going to be five of us. He's going to win the five, and he's going to falter at four. And I kind of knew that. And so that's why at that last challenge, I had everybody there that I thought could beat him, Albert, myself, and um, Sophie. And it ended up working out in my favor. As far as, like, survival uh, conditions go, which season was the hardest? The, the humans and villains was really tough just because it rained and rained and rained for 14 days straight. Um, this last one was definitely the easiest. Token Cheese was also the hardest just because there were so many dangerous animals out there. 
we were kind of like on edge, plus it was 125 degrees the first day of the game. And it was the first one, so you don't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite two seasons were, you know, my first two poker teams and then my last one. So you've experienced um, being on a season where there was an exile island going on, and then you've experienced being on a season where there's this redemption island going on. Um, is there one that you prefer more than the others? Yeah, I think I agree with most of the fans. You know, uh, Redemption Island was a great concept for a twist, but it's not really enjoyable to watch when Jeff's left their porch. It's become such an iconic gesture that we want that to be like, that's it. You know, we don't want them to come back in the game. And because they do come back in the game at some point, it just kind of ruins that whole it just kind of ruins that whole thing. Exile Island, pure and straight, you know, 18 people, no switches, no no tribal switches with an exile, I think really is, is adds a lot to the game. I really like the exile being one for me tribe. That was a great twist, um, and I'm a big fan of that. I hope they bring that back. When I host the show in another couple of years, I'll make sure that I bring that back to the fans. Awesome. You've played three times, and you didn't ever win. Which loss was the most difficult for you? Your first time in Token Jeans, getting out really early in the game in Heroes vs. Villains, or getting all the way to the end in South Pacific and not winning? Which one was the hardest to, to cope with? Oh boy, you stopped me on that one. Um, the most disappointing season was Heroes and Villains, just because I, there was no way that I was going to lose that game. I had Colby, Tom, JC, Stephanie, Rupert, you know, all these people on the Heroes that I knew wanted to play with me, that wanted to play, you know, they, they, they respected what I was trying to bring to the game in, in terms of taking the strongest to the end, you know, et cetera, et cetera. On my own drive, you know, I was smack out between two alliances. You know, there was only... You know, it was just such a, a Tyson to, to basically vote himself out. You know, it was just a, such a horrendously stupid mistake because, you know, it screwed his game, it screwed Rob's game, and it screwed my game. It was just so, you know, the chances of me going out when I did were just so unbelievable. When I got voted off, it just sunk. And it's fun to sit in Ponderosa for 19 days and be on the jury and want to be back in the game so badly. I guess that would be the only time I would have been a fan of Redemption Island was, you know, during that season. But that was really hard to take. I felt like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in Silicon Jeans, and I felt like getting into the end against all odds and never having my name written down in, in Survivor 23, that also kind of accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to move on then to the Fave 10. This is where we ask you 10 questions about your favorite thing. We'll sort of go bam, 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 sort of like a speed round. Um, Are you up for the challenge, Coach? I am up for the challenge. All right, here we go. Number one, favorite challenge you participated in on Survivor? Hooks, where we were dropping, where we were throwing the grappling hooks. I love the grappling hooks, and I nailed the challenge in this last one in Survivor uh, 23, and I single-handedly won the game to the tribe. Favorite musical piece to conduct? Tchaikovsky's Capriccio Italian, which we're doing this April 20th and 22nd with the Susanville Symphony. Favorite non-strategic moment on Survivor? 
when I was stuffing my face with sweets on Survivor 23, having <laughs> shout out the challenge, and Jeff looked over at me and said, Coach, are you really disappointed that you're over there eating the sweets or something like that? And I was trying to keep a, a straight face. I was trying to keep the warrior face. But I broke out with a big fan and started laughing. The camaraderie that we shared on this last season uh, was just purely magical. And there were so many moments like that. The respect between the two of us, and I think the respect for, for him towards me of actually playing the game was really, really, was really, really special. Favorite season that you played on? Definitely Survivor 23. Favorite movie you have acted in? <laughs> Um, and 180 is out on DVD now, right? It is. You can buy it on iTunes, rent it on iTunes, or there's another one that I don't know. Brenda would know. There's another uh, website you can go to, but iTunes is the easiest. But I made my whole soccer team watch it the other night. <laughs> Did they like and it? They actually applauded at the end. I don't know if they're being nice or not, but they like. They all applauded at the end. It was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, um, number six, favorite Survivor twist. Wow. Um, favorite Survivor twist would be, I really like it when they, I know it wasn't a twist in the game, it was the beginning of the game, but I really like it when they divided everybody up in race categories. I thought that was really, it was really forward-thinking because a lot of times people don't want to touch that, but when they had people divided up into Asians and, you know, I thought that, and Hispanics, I thought that was really, uh, I thought that was really cool. So you've played with a lot of different survivors over your three seasons. Is do you have a favorite survivor you wish you could have played with? Um, I'd say that the survivor that I wish that I would have played with would have been Marty. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, I would have played with Marty. I really liked him when he said the grandmaster chest thing. I about pissed in my pants. It was so funny. <laughs> it's funny because we're actually <laughs> going to be having a podcast with him later this week. So we'll have to tell him that uh, you're a big fan. Okay. Oh, you got to tell him that I said that then. you gotta, you got to see what his answer is. And if he doesn't say me, <laughs> then we got to roast him for that. Uh, I will absolutely do that. <laughs> All right, favorite country that you have visited? You know where the most, I'll tell, there are so many different categories of that because I've been to 50, 60 countries. You know, the most exotic country that I've been to was India, and I went there at a time where there were no high-rise buildings. It was like old India in the 80s. So exotic. I really love that part of it. Um, my favorite country in terms of just scenery where the Alps and Switzerland and just, you know, being beautiful. Um, but the most magical place that I've ever been in the world, hands down, spiritual and magnetic force, raw beauty, desert meets savannah meets swamp meets jungle, all in the same place with Exile Island on Token June. It's, some, it's a place that I will go back to, uh, and it's a place that I've dreamed about many nights since I've been away from there. I want to go to those places now. <laughs> okay, uh, number nine, favorite kayaking experience. Uh, favorite kayaking experience was when I was so lonely on my first trip. Uh, you know, the first trip that I took six months, the, the two books are, about, are out on. One of them is called No Turning Back from Chapato uh, Publishing, and the other one... Uh, written by Tom Gauthier, it's called Voyage Beyond Reason, both about the, the same trip. Um, and I was so lonely and just miserable, and I was 
one gave up and I'd gone backwards. I'd like kayak for four hours and I realized I'd gone backwards in those four hours and I'd spent every ounce of energy that I had. And as I was sitting there discouraged and all of a sudden this uh, school of dolphins came and started playing around my kayak and I started talking to them and I started singing to God and just, you know, praising him and um, it was just such a beautiful moment to be out there in the middle of nowhere, to, to feel like, you know, nature was there surrounding me, supporting me. I kayaked over the beach, the sunset, you know, this beautifully vibrant crimson setting over these brown, stark mountains of the desert and just singing to God, just thank, thanking him for bringing that to me and feeling the wind come out of the mountains and feeling like his hand was on my shoulder. It was probably the most moment in my life that's amazing all right and number 10 favorite nickname or title that you gave to another survivor hercules that i gave to chocolate well that is all 10 you completed the fave 10 congratulations coach awesome um and we just thank you so much for for coming on with us and, and talking with us and brenda you too is there anything that you want to plug or promote coach well, you're probably going to be seeing Coach on television this fall, but that's going to remain quiet because I'm in the middle of negotiations. So I'll let, let you guys know about that when it comes out. You know, I've got the book out, you know, No Turning Back, great book. You should pick it up, Course of Movie 180. Um, if you're ever in Northern California, check out the Susanville Symphony. We're always giving concerts, and I write pieces all the time. And uh, we're premiering my Latin Symphony this April. And... College soccer team this fall. I mean, you know, I always like promoting those guys because they work their butts off. Other than that, I'm a happy guy, you know, coaching college soccer teams, nationally ranked, conducting a symphony, writing classical music, being a pastor of the church. Life doesn't get much better than that. How do you find all the time in a day to do all these things, Coach? Uh, I'm pretty streamlined. I've got things pretty much, uh, yeah, I've got things pretty streamlined. I've, and I'm blessed with being really focused, and I can just kind of do what needs to be done and move on to the next task. I'm really good at compartmentalizing, so I'll do one thing, and I'll do it really hard, you know, like coaching or recruiting, and I'll just do it, and then the next day, you know, I'll be focused on the symphony, and then the next day, I'll be focused on writing my sermon, so. Awesome. Brenda, did you have anything you wanted to plug or promote? Um, I have a ministry that I have on uh, Blogspot. It's called uh, A New Day with Christ. Blogspot.com. Basically, I'm going from doing my survivor stuff to um, a Christian format to a small ministry, and right now that's where my passion is and my heart. So if you can check that out, that's uh, A New Day with Christ. Blogspot.com, and come join the ministry. Awesome. Well, once again, uh, we thank you so much, both of you, for coming on. It was great uh, to hear you got your guys' thoughts on the show, and uh, I know I had a lot of fun, and I hope you guys did as well. Yeah, this was a great show. I really was saying, you know, thank both of you and Brenda. Thanks for putting it all together. Yeah. Have a blast. All right. Well, definitely uh, stay tuned for more uh, Survivor podcast coming up. We will have Marty uh, on the show later this week. But uh, thank you guys once again, and have a great night. Awesome. You guys, too. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, that was another Survivor Roundtable with Brenda Porter and Coach Wade. Oh, it was such uh, a pleasure hearing both of them and sort of hearing uh, their cool relationship and just all their thoughts on the show. Yeah, I, I agree. I was so excited to talk with Coach, and he has great insight and, you know, his experience with playing the game three times. Uh, it's really cool to be able to talk with him. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to see him on TV <laughs> again in the fall. So I hope this is some awesome show, and I'm really looking forward to this now. Yeah, me too. Well, that is all we have for this podcast. Remember, later up in the week, we are going to be talking with Marty from Survivor Nicaragua to hear his thoughts of this season. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, also, be sure to check us out on our website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. Also on iTunes and Facebook, David and Nicole's Survivor Podcast. That's all. See you next time. Bye. Bye.